study through the book of Revelation. But of course, let's take care of our preliminaries. Um, clearly a glorious fall morning. Um, I've, wrought, I've broken out my, my hoodie, so it's definitely fall. And this pretends great things for our sunset service this Sunday. It's supposed to be just absolutely beautiful and clear and so excited for that. That's 6.30 um, at the Four Oaks parking lot. Secondly, um, some of my Four Oaks friends um, recently gave me this gift of a new coffee mug. Um, they knew that I was in desperate straits coming down here the home stretch looking for coffee mugs. This is this has a British theme. That's the British that's a British uh, postal box or the post as they would say. I would call it a mailbox, but it's a uh, very um, seasonal anyway. Enjoying my coffee from this mug this morning. All right, we're going to be spending the next couple of mornings meditating on heaven. So we have come to that point in the book of Revelation where the old, the sinful, the broken has all passed away. Jesus has returned. There has been a final judgment. And now we are settling down into an eternity with our Lord and Savior. Now, as we think about heaven for a second, let's let's all be honest. We, we all have certain images, certain thoughts, certain um, ideas that, that have kind of fixed in our minds about what heaven is going to be like, what heaven is like. And, and quite frankly, I don't think all of it, or even maybe most of it sometimes, is particularly helpful because I don't think it's particularly biblical. So so, so just two illustrations from, from my growing up, uh, things that I think shaped the way I have viewed heaven erroneously. Um, one is the secular version of heaven, and we, we see this typified in A Wonderful Life, and by the way, I'm not hating on that movie. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. But remember, Clarence, the angel, is trying to earn his wings, and he's trying to give Jimmy Stewart, um, um, George, he, a, a, a picture of what life would be like if he had never existed, right? And, and all the imagery and, and such of that movie really gives us this idea of, of an angel. Uh, we're all angels in heaven. We're trying to earn our wings. We're flying around. We have harps. We're chilling out on clouds. We're kind of being sent around to, to, to do good, so to speak. But, it's, but if, if we're honest, we can, when we compare that to like the exciting things we get to do in our life, it just doesn't seem that appealing. Well, then there's kind of the, the pop Christian version, and, and this is typified um, in what I, um, the songs I sang at camp growing up back in the late 70s and, and early 80s, there was one in particular I remember, um, I can't wait to see Jesus, Jesus is coming again. And it was all about, um, I can't wait to see Jesus walk those streets of gold, I can't wait to, um, I can't even remember that, get into my mansion, get my sleeping bag unrolled, you know, stuff like that, just... Again, all these things are, are quaint and, and, I guess, cute in a cartoonish sort of way, but they really bear no resemblance to the, the, the heavenly reality that we see depicted in, in John 21. I'm sorry, in Revelation 21 by John. And so what I'm going to do is we're just going to spend the next couple of mornings um, doing a sketch of, the, of, of chapter 21 
This morning, I want to do kind of just a, a broad overview, make some general observations. Tomorrow, we'll, we'll dig a little more in deeply to the text. But, but let, me, let me read um, the first portion of this chapter, pray, and then we'll make some big picture observations. John's speaking in chapter 21, verse 1 of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. All right, let me pray for us. Lord, we want to live with hope and expectancy of our future reunion with you face to face. And so, Lord, whatever um, unhelpful imagery or notions that that we bring to the table about what eternity will be like, Lord, just remove those, wipe those away from, from our memory. Lord, reset our, our minds and our hearts in such a way on you and eternity that we are transformed from one degree, degree of glory to another, that we are, we are we're propelled forward. We are living lives full of hope and expectancy. So, Lord, that's what we pray now and ask that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I think the first verse of chapter 21 is particularly informative, and it sort of sets the frame for, I think, how we're to, to look at these things. Look at verse 1 again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Um, Scotty Smith, in his book, Unveiled Hope, which, again, excellent companion read. Um, encourage you to get it, um, notes that when he first read this, he was greatly disappointed because it seemed to be saying that there will be no sea, no no beach in heaven. And I, obviously, I don't think that's what, what, what John is getting at here. Remember, in the book of Revelation, the sea is a symbol of chaos. It's a symbol of disorder. It's a symbol... It's Remember, it was viewed... Sea was viewed by the people of Israel as, as in a sense having sort of an evil overtones and dread about it. And this was not just for, for ancient Israelites. It was, it's been humanity from the beginning. There's something deep, mysterious, chaotic about the sea. In Genesis 1, what do we see? That God comes, he's hovering over the water of the sea. It's chaos, and he's parting the water to bring forth Eden and dry land, order, beauty, structure. And I think what, what John is getting at here is that First and foremost, um, the first heaven and the first earth were really battlegrounds, or are battlegrounds in, in, in our conception of this life, right? 
So, so we understand that, of course, with earth. I mean, it's full of chaos and brokenness. And here John is, is saying that God is going to come and he's removing the chaos, the disorder, the, 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 the evil of this world. But we got to remember that's the same thing for heaven, um, that heaven has actually been a great battleground, right? Because Satan and his dominions rised up in rebellion against God and God cast down through Michael, the archangel, um, cast down Satan and his minions to earth out of heaven. And so even, even heaven has been a battleground. And I think John is kind of giving us this picture that all wars haven't just ceased. There's no ceasefire. There is not a armistice. It's not like there is the 38th parallel in North and South Korea and there's sort of this detente. No, no, no. This is, um, there is permanent peace. Forever order and disorder and chaos have been banished. And, and, and that's just an astounding imagery when we, when we think about it. Now, John goes on, he says, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Here, here's, here's something I want us to kind of consider. All right. And this is just kind of hitting me anew as I'm, as I'm reading this passage. When we ask about the new Jerusalem and we think about what kind of place will that be? Okay. I think we're asking the wrong question. Um, I think the first question should be who is the new Jerusalem? All right. So let's look back at the text. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Okay. And so in our minds, we're thinking a great city, right? Atlantis emerging from the deeps um, of its hidden place. But, but interesting, John says this, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now that's interesting. John's using that marriage metaphor again. Uh, and remember, who is it that is going to be at the marriage feast of the Lamb? It's Jesus the Lamb and his bride, which is us. But now he is calling the New Jerusalem um, and comparing her to a bride adorned for her um, husband. And, and, and we, we go, go to verse 9 for a second. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great city, uh, to a great mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. So again, God is showing John um, the new Jerusalem. And I think it's pretty clear here, the new Jerusalem is not so much a, uh, a physical place, although we will be geographically, spatially centered in heaven, and we'll get to that probably tomorrow. But here, the new Jerusalem, I think, is us. It's the people of God. Um, and, and what John seems to be saying um, as here in this, in this opening passage is that here we are the people of God. And we've had these disordered, chaotic, sinful, broken lives. But now the sea is gone and the, Jesus is preparing his bride, the new Jerusalem, and he's coming down to her. Right, and so I think the imagery here is one where, where God, heaven should be thought less of a place that's way up there in this ethereal 
somewhere up in the clouds. But that heaven, what heaven is going to be, is essentially God with his people. It's going to be God um, coming down, so to speak, and dwelling with his people. And again, not so much, and, and this is, comes from C.S. Lewis, heaven is not so much a, a, another place. It's, a, it's another dimension. It's another reality. And that what we're doing here is living in the shadowlands. But heaven is going to be, in a very real sense, God dwelling with his people. God being with his people. And again, coming down to us, ushering in um, the heavenly realities and presence for us. Now, that doesn't mean that, that there's not going to be a physical place called heaven. I, and I think it is. But, okay, I think it's going to be a transformation of our current reality. Okay? And we're going to see this in, in John chapter 22. I'm sorry, Revelation 22. Where, where, where the city of God is, is compared to a garden. And remember, the garden was where Adam and Eve were. And here we think, but when they were expelled from the garden, meaning they were expelled from the presence of God, and that what heaven is going to be is a reinstitution of God's unmediated presence with his people. Independently of whatever it looks like and, and what we're doing there, and again, forecasting that for tomorrow, okay? Here, I'm just wanting us to, to wrap our minds around the idea that, that, that this is the shadow lands, and when God comes down and ushers in his eternal presence to us, it will transform everything. It will make all things new. We'll be, we'll be living life in the garden again. We will be seeing God face to face um, unmediated, right? Um, we will be with him. And in this place, because the sea is gone, there will be eternal rest, eternal joy. There will be no tears. There will be no brokenness, no sin. And I think what I would love for, for, for you to do between now and tomorrow, and we're going to flesh this out more specifically physically, because John does have a lot to say about um, the physical aspects of, of of God with us. But fundamentally, heaven is not a distant, distinct, um, ethereal place where we have wings and harps and clouds and 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 sort of this sort of this other otherness. Okay. Heaven is God making himself more real, more present, coming into our lives, speaking our speaking life into our lives, being present with us. Um, making himself fully known. That's why, that's why we are the bride, the holy city of Jerusalem, prepared for him. And he comes now and dwells with us. And so, so I think if we can like latch on to, to that basic idea, that it'll help us, I think, have a greater expectancy, hope, um, vision of of what that day will truly be like, that, that, that in no way could it ever be boring, okay? Um, if you think about your happiest day on earth and how you don't, would never want that day to end, um, there is a sense in which God has, con that's just a shadow of this eternal reality of God dwelling with us and us never having to say goodbye to him, never having to say goodbye 
to his presence. And that, I think, is the foundational building stone in which we're to think about heavenly reality. So, so join us tomorrow. We're going to keep cranking through this chapter. I'm going to try to unpack some of the detail a little bit more because it does say quite a few things about um, the nature of this place. And we'll talk about how to read that and what it means for us. Well, let's pray now. Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, you sent your son Jesus to dwell with us. You brought, he brought hope and light. And one day, that's going to be a reality fully, completely fulfilled. And that we will see you face to face. And you will dwell with us. And we will be your people, your pure spotless bride, the new city, the new Jerusalem, where you are dwelling in our midst. And so, Lord, train our eyes and hearts and thoughts on you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, see you tomorrow. Bye.